Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip. I'm strapping Eddie in right now. My head, strapped in, baby. My headphone cord is like around Eddie's I'll send lap you a picture, right now. JT. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> to strapped in. Instead of getting stuck, he's getting roped in. Eddie. New pod setup. Yeah, it's all a learning process. <laughs> stuck Eddie. Stuck Eddie. <laughs> uh, looks like Eddie's stuck and he's at my will. <laughs> He's at my will and mercy. <laughs> this is not a stuff, like, get your mind out of the gutter. This is a Jerry Lewis, you know, slapstick situation. This Jerry is not Lewis hardcore stuck. pornography. Jerry Lewis stuck situation. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is new. This is new to you, man. <laughs> There's probably a moment in a Jerry Lewis movie where he found someone stuck. And I mean, I but he resisted the temptation. <laughs> Am I right? Probably. <laughs> probably. I mean, just probably. the way well, at least we, made yeah, back yeah. we didn't see it, you know. JT is still in Pennsylvania getting stuck under various pieces of furniture <laughs> only for his step-parents to discover him. <laughs> That's the only reason to go home nowadays is to get stuck. <laughs> Welcome to Extended Clip. It's episode 109. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And we didn't discuss your intro, but uh, joining us this week, as teased last week uh, at the end of the podcast, our, our friend of the podcast, a a worker in Hollywood land where they make the movies, uh, an integral part of the society that we worship on this show. It's our friend David. I'm David. Hey, guys. Yeah, I, it's funny you say that. I was thinking <laughs> earlier today. Like just, you know, being like a PA on like a show or anything like that and then seeing the show come out, it's like I'm kinda like like a resistance fighter in the streaming wars, you know. <laughs> yeah. You're working at the big studios, keeping the big dreams alive while the small screens, you know, they, they might seem like they're taking over, but we, we got the big dogs on the inside. Yeah, exactly. you're you're on a revolution and you're on the wrong damn side, dude. <laughs> I'm I'm fighting for the corporations, man. I'm fighting for the Amazons, all of them. <laughs> It's good to hear that point of view on the show. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're not going to be talking about big Amazon-style studio films this week. Uh, our double feature is Mulberry Street, the 2010 documentary by Abel Ferrara, and 2018's Little Italy. And uh, I'm sorry that it appears I did not write down the name of the director. Donald Petrie? Like, kind of like, I think it's like Petri dish. Yeah, yeah he also yeah. directed Mystic Pizza. That was actually his first movie. Oh. And this seems to be the last movie of his career. <laughs> which, you know, I wish I could read it into some, like, late style hijinks, but it is truly an embarrassment hey, of a film. Making, we'll get to it. Making a movie is like making a pizza pie. <laughs> Is something, you know, maybe he would say. I don't know. So, David, why did you choose these two, well, presumably super Italian and uh, in incidentally super Italian Canadian uh, double feature to the podcast? Yeah, well, I mean, first I thought of Mulberry Street because I really love, uh, especially like Ferrara's like documentaries. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a movie I really love. And then I just so happened to stumble across the trailer for little italy and it was just like one of the most repulsive things i've ever seen <laughs> and so immediately i was struck by that you know juxtaposition yeah um but definitely obviously because they like 
cover pretty much the similar uh, content, you know, similar world that they're yeah. like, trying to get across, but in like completely fucking opposite ways. <laughs> like they stand for like the complete opposite things, and that's <laughs> epic as shit. <laughs> I I would have to agree there. Uh, Little Italy, you know, I guess the first one is the one we see in Mulberry Street, and then they crop up across North America. It eventually in places like Ontario, Canada in our second film, uh, which I, you know, hey, I didn't know. I The only thing I knew about Canadian pizza is that in Canada, there's a chain of pizza restaurants called Boston Pizza, which has always been very funny to me because everyone loves that famous Boston pie. It did kind of get me thinking, Little Italy, it's like, what? I was like, I guess there's a, like a whole world up there in Canada. They're just kind of doing their own thing yeah. over there. Kind of crazy to think about. I don't know. <laughs> you got guys like Frank D'Angelo up there making vanity films, and you also have things like this coming out. And it's uh, Canada is a very strange place to make and watch films. And frankly, I like it over here. <laughs> When you become like a tax haven, you tend to attract all sorts of different weird shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. But we're going to start with Mulberry Street. Uh, JT, I I know you are also, I think we're all fans of Abel Ferrara here. JT, have you seen uh, many of his documentaries before this one? Uh, No, this was the first I've seen. I would say I probably know the least about Ferrara, but like have an, like, I don't know, a, a growing interest, mm-hmm. especially after this. I have been going through his filmography like mostly in order. I haven't seen his first uh, porno film, which he, he definitely talks about in uh, Mulberry Street. But I'm at like the point I'm at is like Fear City, which was like the uh, like a TV movie yeah. of his that I've heard is like pretty good. But I don't know. It's not the juicy stuff. It's 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 nice and sleazy. It's maybe not one of his most put together movies, but the the essential Ferrara elements are very present in Fear City. Yeah, but um, that's where I'm at, and I'm curious to like pick it up now at some point after this because this uh, you just get so much of Ferrara's personality in this. Just seeing him saunter about on screen, just uh, talking about how much things are pains in the cunt. Um, <laughs> it was great. No, yeah, this this movie's great because it is like, what's like the pitch for this movie? It's just like Abel Ferrara walks around a street yeah. and just talks to people. You know? I mean, it's... It's, it's the Feast of San Gennaro. Yeah, Feast of San Gennaro. Yeah, there's a whole, much like a, a blockbuster movie, there's a whole festival that centers around it, I guess. But it is, it's just, it's very interesting. You know, I love just seeing Ferrara be a man about town. And I feel like this, the style of this movie, you know, kind of just very, just like, uh, I don't know. Just following Ferrar, it's not a very like planned. It's very handheld style, you know. It kind of goes with his uh, willingness to go, you know. Ferrara himself willing to go anywhere in town, you know. Yeah, I mean, David, for listeners who have maybe only seen the the trashy, sleazy Ferrar films, or even the clean and sober 2010s dramas, uh, which are still quite depraved, what's like distinctive about Abel, or like what are his documentary films like, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, with this one, it's it's so funny to think about. And part of what's so great about it is, like, you kind of are imagining the whole time, like, what the fuck is, like, his intention here? You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, what is he telling, like, the cameraman? Because it's seemingly, like, he's definitely going off and talking to people. And, like, the camera's just going wherever, like, mm-hmm. the cameraman's taking it. Um, and, and, like, the success of this movie is, like, based off of, like, like, so many documentaries. Like, just him, like, having, like, a really great subject. You know, and him just, like, 
knowing that like kind of like whatever he's capturing around there that it's going to be like something worthwhile yeah i feel like even when it leans into kind of tip i don't want to use the word typical uh too loosely but typical like kind of talking head interview documentary uh he always manages to keep it like extremely interesting uh also he doesn't really shoot those like annoying in studio talking head portions they're usually you know he's he's out on the town you know as you said he's a man about town something like uh piazza vittorio i feel like he's interviewing a lot more strangers and it's more like pointedly political like he's trying to get to the root of not really trying just to get to the root of poverty but he's really picking out a lot of threads and even talks to people who like reference neoliberalism and stuff like that and then here the economic recession is like kind of the backdrop, but it's also just like, uh, let's just hang out with some fucking Italians for like during the Feast of San Gennaro, the guys who have been there for, you know, however many decades and they're complaining because Giuliani came through and he got his dirty paws. <laughs> he got rid of the gambling. They used to charge me 150 for electricity. Giuliani comes in. Now I'm getting charged 600. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a very interesting, like, yeah, from the documentaries I've seen from Ferrara, he, he's pointing his camera toward something that his usual audience will be interested in if they like Abel Ferrara movies. And he just takes a much more, like, I don't want to say, so, not socially conscious, but uh, socially, like, um, inquisitive point of view you know like he's he's really exploring these things that he already knows kind of it's a weird balance of him being the master who can spin all the yarns in front of the camera when he needs to and learning a lot from the environments that he's exploring as well no yeah what's interesting about you know Ferrara himself exploring this these environments is also kind of like you have the one side you're talking about where he's you know talking to more you know just regular people but then you have like the layer of celebrityhood mm-hmm. that he has. Like, I love that, like, Matthew Modine is just in the mix, like, talking to his, like, producer, Frank C., I believe. And, like, that scene where, like, Modine is, like, pushing, like, those uh, activism buttons or whatever. <laughs> and it, it is just, like, I don't know. It is just uh, Ferrara attracts a, a kind of a strange amount of people. You know, you got, like, Dennis Lim coming through at the end. Love to or, see I mean, Dennis Lim at the a- end. Abra Ferrara, Ferrara's girlfriend is kind of like <laughs> different from a lot of the old Italian dudes <laughs> in the neighborhood. Uh, like, yeah, and Modine and, you know, Danny Aiello, who is, you know, you know, Italian himself. But like, you know, it is it's just interesting the the, the cast of characters that uh, mm-hmm. Ferrara drums up here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he Frankie C being uh, Abel Ferrara's maybe one of his longest time uh collaborators he's like his manager and i think like does more than you know he'll produce a few movies here and there and he also has a role in go-go tales uh they show a little clip of that in it and uh also cha-cha is in a lot of the movie who has been one of ferrara's producer buddies since nine lives of wet pussy i believe and this that, is my guy okay. this is my guy this, i'm this guy too i want to go 24 years. 40 years. <laughs> 24 years. Well, wow. right we've been I told together the since nine lives. Yeah. Where was it? Right in that building there? About three buildings down. And so they recount all these tales of, you know, stuff like shooting China Girl in the 80s and shooting Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy. And then there's a guy who's suing for credit on Go-Go Tales. And it's like a mini Abel Ferrara retrospective while he's reminiscing about 
you know, not his filmmaking career, but how, you know, this uh, specific town, this little Italy portion of New York City uh, has evolved over the decades as well. And it's just really funny to hear uh, Cha-Cha talk. I mean, when Cha-Cha has got like the American flag button up with the Italian like a beret hat, you know, like uh, just so many (laughs) hilarious outfits. He's always got an earpiece in of some sort. (laughs) And uh, yeah, these guys, they reminisce like they're the coolest guys ever. And it's really funny. There's one scene where they're in the barbershop talking about growing up with Robert De Niro. He's like, yeah, we used to call him Bobby, Bobby Irish. (laughs) 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 It's just, I don't know. It's just filled with hilarious stuff like that. And also is so good at being an artifact of that specific period. You know, as I said, the economic recession there's a couple different old Italian dudes explaining the bailouts oh, uh, in yeah. very crass terms, which is always funny. And, you know, after that segment, then you get the Washington Mutual banners being hung from the construction stuff that was put up just for the festival. Uh, and of course, you know, I don't know how deep Ferrara was thinking with the irony, but it's something you put together with this movie as a cultural artifact. No, yeah, like Fer- Ferrara is like, around you know walking around asking random people it's like this neighborhood used to be tougher right you know what i mean not exactly (laughs) going with like you know the deep economic analysis but being like oh you know this place this place has changed and like yeah a lot of like just the random conversations that spring out of that or just you know discuss discuss uh discussion about change like I love when they're talking about like the gold standard and like yeah, yeah. It's like you know that's why they killed JFK because he was trying to you know uh, exterminate the Fed or whatever and it is I don't know just kind of like kind of random com- like when Ferrara decides to like stay in a place for a while and let random conversations come you know come about it is like you know that's some standard documentary documentary movie magic of course yeah. but it is it is great like another scene when they're like is at a restaurant and there's like some pig skins being oh, served yeah and there's like this, this this dejected looking dude in the the like top left corner of the table that i, I just can't stop focusing on <laughs> yeah. for some reason just because it's just like has no reason to be there no stated reason to be there or whatever and it's just kind of like eh, yeah i don't i don't like it or whatever it's just when he serves it and like just wearing like a giants uh you know football championship oh, yeah. shirt a lot of great like sh- like t-shirts selections <laughs> you see in this movie just of like some maybe a nice corona shirt or like a, yeah. you know good classic super bowl shirt or something uh, matthew modine's entrance rolling through on the segue was also <laughs> oh. just fucking killer i love that too how he was just like immediately like i'm turning my segue off now and like ferrara's girlfriend was like i want to ride it i want to ride it and then like he comes up and he really wants to ride it and he's like guys i really want to turn my segue off we shouldn't ride this <laughs> Modine knows knows Ferrara well enough to know what type of friend he is. He's yeah. like, let's like, let's turn this. Wait, let's I had I had a question about the segue scene because there's something I thought I heard, but is that does Ferrara drop a hard R when talking about the segue? I think so. Uh-oh. Yeah, I've heard he, him do he, it before. He said it in Alive in France, another one of his documentaries, like a couple times. <laughs> I, it just—it's in reference to the segue. It was kind—it was funny to see. No, I—I th- I think I think you're right, JT. I—I I, I <laughs> think I, I heard that. that too. Maybe I put the clip. Maybe I don't. Yeah, you can cut this out. I was just—I I just wanted to be sure I heard it. This isn't a cancel Abel Ferrara party. <laughs> We're just reporting the facts. Well, yeah, it is like it, that reminds me of another like scene where because like Ferrara, of course, you know, he's got affection for this place, but he'll also 
do things where like he'll just like like I like when there's like that married couple fighting or whatever and like oh, yeah. and like he's like oh it's okay you don't have to fight on camera and then he just like films him from a distance also like when he like films his friend like shooing away the black people from his like restaurant Dude. and stuff like that like that it, scene was insane yeah that I was whole, it was, the manager just comes out while these two black dudes are literally like standing outside looking at the menu yeah. and the first thing he says is, I don't want any attitude. I don't want any yeah. attitude. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's like you know, this is this is another aspect of being super Italian that uh, Ferrara is exposing. But it is just like Ferrara's kind of game for anything, whatever's yeah. like good in the moment, whether it's sincerity or you know maybe being a little bit sneaky, yeah, or you know maybe it's, maybe he'll get in front of the camera, you know, uh, <laughs> talk for a little shit. while, do some dumb shit, and like it's it's all entertaining. There's like a couple turns in this movie. I'm like, what's like. What's going on? Like, why is he here? Like, I guess he's making a movie, but it is like, is there something at the end that's going to happen? You know what I mean? And I I mean, I like this movie for a lot of that. But just like I'm thinking of like that turn specifically when it's just like Abel Ferrara is going to like a recording studio. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, is well, he they're literally <laughs> recording the soundtrack to the documentary. <laughs> it's a hilarious way to fill time in a documentary. <laughs> I love how that like he uses that ad for Danny Aiello's. That's like, my favorite thing too. ever, dude. It, Danny Aiello, because the the racist thing that you described, Malcolm, uh, the the store owner kind of chasing away some black guys. Like it's right after Danny Aiello talks about uh, how he oh. got the script for Do the Right Thing. He's like, yeah. I thought it was a piece of shit, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he talked about how like he he sat down with Spike and he's like, you know, I'm only gonna make it if I can, you know, rewrite the character because that that's not a, you know, these guys they're not just filled with hate. You know, <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty funny stuff, but it's also fantastic that it almost seems like it was a contractual obligation. Uh, like the, like Aiello was like, okay, I'll be in the movie. If you, you got to put a, you got to let me plug my Danny and AC CD or sorry. <laughs> Danny and AC.com is where you get the CD, but it's Danny in Atlantic city. Uh, his crooning hits. That must've been a dream. It had better be a dream, Danny. That's Sandy, my wife. <laughs> Danny Aiello, live from Atlantic City, in stores everywhere. I think all these like all these Italian dudes who play like like mobsters in movies, you know what I mean? And I love all of them. I don't mean to take them down a peg, but like they like they really do get that confidence from doing <laughs> that, and so like they really do think they could like cut albums like they're Frank Sinatra too. like Joe Pesci was doing that and I'm sure Joe Pesci's I bet that's great I bet everyone listens you. to that album I dare you I'm, are you listening to the Joe Pesci album I've, let's be honest I've heard let's, some songs let's be honest I'm, let's, I'm just saying let's all be very honest here if you're listening to the <laughs> Joe Pesci album you know write in of course but one of my last I it's about the Joe Pesci album so it is <laughs> it is important in this regard one of my last like pre-COVID memories was I think it it was you and me, Malcolm. Yeah. Uh, we had just seen uh, the Schrader Cat People um, at the New Bev, and I think there was an ad for Joe Pesci's um, music, and I think we were in your car just chilling, listening to the Joe Pesci tracks. <laughs> That's true. I remember that. I remember that. Where the fuck was I? Yeah, you were busy. You're a little busy. <laughs> yeah. JT <laughs> had a little recess, a little time to play. <laughs> I didn't let you guys go on break. 
I didn't let you guys start having breaks till this year. <laughs> J- uh, JT, wasn't that a great time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Joe Pesci music is amazing. Yeah, that's true. I guess, you know what? You remind me of that. Oh, yeah, I guess maybe the music's better when you have a friend to enjoy it with. Yeah. <laughs> it's like adjacent to like Vin Diesel gaining the confidence from the Fast and Furious series to that's, make like EDM hits. That's yeah. true. That is true. But like... I don't know. I feel like he kind of. Pull, I think he pulls it off. Yeah, no. <laughs> those are getting views. You're right. Uh, speaking of other notable musical artists, Toots and the Maytals shows up. Or sorry, Toots from Toots and the Maytals shows up. Uh, sorry, I just had to say that so that I could put the clip from Saturday Night Live of Trump saying Toots and the Maytals. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a really great show for you tonight. Toots and the Maytals are here. Uh, also, Little Steven rolls through. You gotta have the obligatory Little Steven uh, uh, appearance when you got some Italian excellence going on. Frank Vincent, you know, you're talking about like people having to show up contractually. His kind of feels like the yes. most contractual. So he just kind of plays with like what, like a bobblehead or like a Pez dispenser the whole time or something like that. It's so funny when he's like. He's like goofing off with Matthew Modine, and uh, Frankie C is just like just grabbing the cameraman. He's like, "Look at this! Look at this! You got Matthew Modine, who was the FBI and married to the mob, and then you got Frank Vincent, who is the mob." <laughs> it's a movie for movie fans. Frankie C knows what you know. This is kind of like you know Avengers assembling in a sense for Italian moviegoers. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bit of uh, sadness in the the party's over refrain that you hear through the back 30 minutes of this. People are just saying, the party's over, man. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, the festival's over. The festival's gotten worse over the years. The neighborhood's gotten, you know, quote unquote, worse over the years, uh, depending on, you know. Used to be tough, man. Yeah, used to be tough. Used to get, <laughs> used to get mugged. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> No, <laughs> the G word gentrification yeah. does not get dropped. I'm sure that's the angle they're taking here. Uh, but you know, I, I'm not no fucking New Yorker. I don't know this shit. Yeah. It is funny. The one day I ever went to New York City was this year, 2010. Not this year. The year oh, this okay. fil- was filmed and released, All 2010. Right. Okay. And I did go to New York City's Little Italy, and I got a cannoli. Damn! Wow. I was in New York for one day. You could have saw. You could have saw Abel. All right. Are you part of the gentrification? Yes. Yeah, you I was there for one day and I put my, my you know, the trust fund I have, I put it down on a brownstone. Someone's bakery took that shit out of business. It's going to be a bank now. Oh, it's a bank. Okay. <laughs> Tread lightly here, David. You're a guest. You can't just, uh... My house. Did you not see the mezuzah on the door? <laughs> Three and a half bullets for me. This is a really good movie. I rank it among the better of the. I mean, I've seen like half of the documentaries he's done. I think he has four, and I've seen three. So hey, that's more than half. Uh, maybe, good. maybe. He, oh no, I forgot he did the Projectionist last year. I haven't caught up with that one either. But uh, this is among the better ones. It's just a hell of a time, man. It's just, <laughs> a, you know, I think Will Sloan on Letterbox said that it's the best home movie ever made. And if you're in it for the vibes of Abel and his Italian buddies. It's totally worth it. And also the contrast of 80 minutes of super Italian guys and then Dennis Lim rolling through at the end is fucking awesome. Yeah, no, I'm going to go four bullets. I think I like it because it really just goes off of like his instincts or whatever, whatever he's interested Mm -hmm. in. There's like no like 
you know, I guess he's hanging around. The main threat is that he's just hanging around this community, but like he doesn't really have to look for narrative beyond that. And it mm-hmm. just kind of is like who he wants to fuck with, who he wants to go over there. Like that, like, and there's great segments where it's just like, oh my God, like, what is it? Like, especially he, with the, the waitress. That gay man in the very oh, beginning. Oh, well, yeah, that the gay man, of course, <laughs> or like when he's like, like kind of hitting on the waitress a little bit and asking to see like her pierced tongue. Oh, that was a, show me that tongue, baby. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> Or just like, or like when he does a little tracking shot of his girlfriend riding the bike. I don't know. It's just like, yeah. it's, it's, it's all, uh, just following whatever he wants to do. And yeah, I don't know. I think he's a fun guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just kind of like immersive, like, you know, hang out with Abel movie. You know yeah. what I mean? You could, uh, close yeah. your eyes and pretend you're there or, yeah. you know, you could watch the movie and pretend you're there too. <laughs> yeah, I would say, the- I would recommend watching this movie with your eyes open. <laughs> this movie's great when you close your eyes for bullets. <laughs> David, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to give it four bullets for sure. I love this movie. Um, I particularly, um, I, I love how it's just like, it's kind of like the perfect movie where it's like he's not focused on like some contrived plot or anything too specific that he's trying to get across. It's more just like he's like struck this conflict between like these like dudes who like will never change and like the city that's changing too fast. You know, and but like the way they like express like their frustration is them just like shit talking on the side of the street like every day. <laughs> it's like the the perfect like most like apt way to like get anything across. Mm-hmm. This movie is sick. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give this one three and a half bullets. I like it for I mean obviously pretty much all the reasons you guys are talking about. I think that like it's so interesting in like being atypical where it's like you think of a more conventional documentary that centered that would be centered around like the feast of San Gennaro and like that would like the spectacle of all that would uh like be sort of the central piece but this is sort of all the like backroom dealings of the Italians who are really bringing everything together and it's just so fun to get to see those little moments that Ferrara will focus on and of course like his personality just like comes through like so heavily and like I don't know you get moments that are just like weird funny like unexpected there like there's that one little like cutaway where it's like um you were talking about that scene where that at that restaurant, like eating the uh, is it like pig stomach or something? Yeah. Something it's weird. Rolled pig, pig skin. skin. It sounds so good, dude. Yeah, it's just pig skin rolled with like salt, pepper, basil, garlic. I Ooh. think, and something else he said, and it sounds so fucking good because it's just like drenched in red sauce, and it's oh. Anyway, but there's a on, moment sorry. there where it's like that. Uh, <laughs> you're making me hungry. I know. I'm starving um, over here. There's a moment there where the dude is talking about like watching his health and like needing to be concerned about eating health food. <laughs> and then there's like the cutaway to like four days later, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he like died like a day after the festival. Jesus. He was like, yeah, they. I I was dead for 45 minutes, but they brought me back. You know, and then he's like, I'm still here. There's some bad stuff out there. I'm going to go eat. The one crazy weekend of e- e- eating could possibly kill you. That's something that this movie proved. This dude just had a great weekend of just getting, like, little food from different spots. Speaking, Fucking killed him. It took his life. Speaking of someone eating good this uh, in this movie, yeah, Cha-Cha, it, there's a great shot of him. First of all, every time he's outside, he has a, a bankroll in the last 30 minutes of the movie. Anytime you see him, he has a bankroll, and he's counting money. It's hilarious that he just asks for that setup. But, uh 
there's one where he goes to like a place for sausage and peppers and uh he he's like eating it on a little plate while having just like a bankroll next to it <laughs> and he's just talking to the camera with money out on the table it's just a hilarious setup and uh he, he's my mvp of the movie for sure other than abel of course of course of course we'll be right back on extended clip you are who are you looking for any girls no i want men what i want a man who wants a man I don't you like know. women. What, what? I, I like some cocks. Yeah, I want to get a nice one. You too? You got a big one? You like men, you like women. You got the skin on or you're circumcised? Look what he looks like, eh? I like to suck black cocks. Really? We're in a tough neighborhood. Why? This old day long talking. He used, used to be, mister, no more. But, um, we also filmed in an apartment like three blocks away. And, you know, back then, like, these well, these films were like the big deals, you know. Because no one could rent tapes. This was before videotapes. So, like, regular Wall Street guys, whatever, they, you know, you, I'm, uh, does anybody remember this? They would go to theaters and whack off, with, you know, with the raincoats, right? Anyway, so, we're shooting like a serious, like a real serious story and all this. But in the middle of this, you know, Fucking it's, it's these chicks, hardcore stuff, right? And we had our girlfriends in the movie, right? Only the guys we hired couldn't get it up. Okay? So after the first day, fine. Now the second day, the guy, the other guy, he's fucking my girlfriend, can't get it up. So now, like the crew, like if us, all of a sudden now we're choosing, somebody's got to jump in there. Because these guys, I mean, it's bad enough paying 300 some paying a guy back then $300 to fuck your girlfriend, and then the guy couldn't even get it up. Got length. You could jump around in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you had, like, some small people in here. Then, you know, you really get, you know, most bang for your buck. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Imagine if Eddie was smaller. It would be even cooler. <laughs> You're so right about the value that I would save by having a lot of small people in my room. <laughs> Definitely more bang for my buck. We, we need to start building up, man. We need to start thinking about square footage. You have small people sleeping in canopies up in the corner. A little like, hammocks. <laughs> little hammocks. Little, like, beehive-looking <laughs> They're people too. This is wild. This is a lot. A lot. One of the more wild. You bring David in here. It's wild, guys. Some some midgets and cocoons all over. And we're back on extended clip. It's Malcolm in the middle. Life is unfair. Absolutely. Malcolm, how's life been treating you? It's all right. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been good. Okay. Um, you know, don't need to ask that question. But uh, Autumn in New York—that's the movie I watched, wow. and it's a movie directed by actress Joan Chen. You know, famous for being in Twin Peaks. And I kind of watched this movie because it was released the same year as Doctor T and the Woman, and it kind of like the way the he plays like a an aging playboy in New York, and I'm like, this kind of sounds like a like a, another version of Dr. T and like the way it's with, uh, you know, gear and Winona Ryder and the way like it, the plot was described on letterbox, at least it's like he obsesses over like a new young woman that like, you know, alters his life. And that I'm like, all right, that sounds kind of like erotic thriller ish or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
but it's she's dying of cancer or whatever. <laughs> so he's just, you know, he loves her and then she dies. He and just, he, he, she he, just makes his life a bummer. Pretty much. Pretty no much. suspense there. No, yeah. If you want a good erotic thriller, I would recommend a movie with suspense. That's that's so <laughs> true. Well, this one, yeah, this one was going for the heartstrings. It was going for something else. You know what I mean? And, you know, I can respect that, but it is just like, I don't know, it is weird that, it, like, I don't get why he stays around or whatever. Like, it doesn't, none of it makes sense. Like, the best part of it is kind of like the first 15 minutes where you just get to see him be like a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a chef, cool, like he's a chef at a restaurant. Like a cool restaurant, okay, and like uh, you know, he, you know, he's always saying hi to the ladies there, and he has a really nice apartment. You know what I mean? That's the type of stuff I like to see. <laughs> that Richard Gere <laughs> lifestyle Rich, porn. Richard Gere Playboy lifestyle. Works at a Chili's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like just, <laughs> that is the cool restaurant. <laughs> Inviting girls up to his like apartment and like intimidating them with all the stuff he has. Um, it's pretty fucking sick. Um, but then he learns that you know that's not. You know, this autumn in New York, he realizes that that's not the way to live. So wow. maybe, maybe I need to re- reevaluate myself and why I find that. So you know, the first fifteen minutes favorite. Although he, it's I don't know, he's just saying hello to women. It's not like, it's not <laughs> like it's. It, they make it seem like he's a Lothario of some <laughs> sorts, but he's just he's just saying hello as far as they show. But uh, yeah, not a great movie. Kind of boring. It does it does look kind of it does kind of look good. I'll give yeah. it that. Two thousands studio look. Good yeah, enough. yeah, it's sharp. It's sharp. It's sharp. It's sharp. Yeah. It's got a good head on its shoulders visually, <laughs> but uh, you know, nothing, nothing too creative. <laughs> what about one of you guys? You guys see anything, David? Yeah, yeah. I um recently I watched uh, my first Ozu movie. Mm. Um, I wa- it was Good Morning, uh, which uh, se- seemed like a, a nice, like pleasant, simple mm-hmm. one to to start with. You know, Good Morning. Yeah, it's Good Morning. Start. Hey, how's it, how's it going? Um, <laughs> it, Did you watch it in the morning? I, I did actually, yeah. It was like first thing in the morning, like suns oh. like cracked open my window a little bit. See the sun rising up, you know, as the movie's starting. It was pretty. <laughs> cool. Early, you getting up for this movie? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm up early, Eddie. <laughs> crack it on, all right. Crack it on, David over here. <laughs> don't, don't you read Wahlberg's Instagram, bro? We get up at four a.m. every day, man. We're on that grind. Watch a movie, then we hit the gym. <laughs> so true. <laughs> That's the sustenance I need to start my day, Eddie. Um, but yeah, that, um, it, it was kind of exactly what I was hoping for. Um, it was a really like great, like, of course, like it, it seems like very simple on the surface. It's like a nice story about a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course the, in the end, like all of the details sort of accumulate and you're kind of like hit with like this emotional punch. And then like the next day I did some shrooms and, and I felt like I was hit with like, all of that again. Oh, it wow. just kind of came back, and I felt like I re-experienced all those Ozu emotions, and it was a little much for me. Wow, a little okay, a is little that much. Your excuse? You know, maybe maybe that is actually a warning to the listeners. That's if, true. If the cumulative effect of the family dramas of Ozu take a toll on you, like they do me. Maybe maybe lay off the psychedelic substances. At least for a couple of days. At least for a couple yeah. of days. I'll tell you what. I watched The Only Son uh, on my mom's birthday one time. Yeah. Like, incidentally. It was for a class. And I was like, 
it uh it pummeled me i gotta yeah. say i that is the most embarrassed i ever have been in college because i was crying at a movie in class and i was like this is so gay it's like oh he actually <laughs> likes movie just get this fucking loser out of here don't you know we fucking hate movies around here in film school yeah exactly <laughs> no because i never see people crying during film school screenings though people can get excited right you know, you saw people get excited. <laughs> yeah, get people hamming off in class. <laughs> Both of you fucking perverts. That's the first place you go. <laughs> Someone wore the basketball shorts to the wrong screen. <laughs> Pitch intense. And you're in the row over. Your your head decided to peek over. This new studio has bad mojo right away. <laughs> He's peeking over at his hard classmates. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm all turned around now. JT, what about you? <laughs> like, on a similar note to Ozu's family dramas, I'm kind of going through my own family drama here. <laughs> oh, no. living, being back at home. I mean, it's a good one. It's like a good type of crying, reconnecting. And the best way to reconnect with the ones you love is through the cinema. And so the other day, I was talking to my old man, talking to dad, and uh, I was like, hey, there's this great... A John Ford movie. I'm surprised you haven't seen it yet. And uh, it's called The Wings of Eagles. So I sit down with the old man. We watch it. He loves it. It's a great time. I recently rewatched this movie. And uh, it's even better than I was thinking then. But so my dad, after the movie's over, he turns to me and he's like, son, that was a great movie. Like, where, like, I'm having trouble understanding it. I want to like parse this out. Like I need, I need some sort of assistance to figure out the content, the larger context, potentially through the lens of authorship uh, of this movie. And I was like, Dad, do you have two dollars? And he's like, Son of, he's like, Son, of course I have two dollars. Like that's the lowest amount of money I can possibly think of. <laughs> And, we really should have made um, five, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> and so I tell him, uh, if you sign up right now on uh, patreon.com slash extended clip, you can listen to me and two of my best friends uh, <laughs> explain this movie uh, to you. And hey, you might even laugh. Uh, you'll learn something along the way. It was great. And... Uh, so I'd like to thank my dad for being a $2 patron, not a $6 one. I understand it. Money is a little tight. Wow. A beautiful entry to the segment. First time we've had the website review segment and Malcolm in the Middle kind of collide into one. And I think it's kind of beautiful. Review. It's been a while since we did the website review segment. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, I watched a movie this week. Well, on a serious note, subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, Eddie, of course. Come on. Eddie, what'd you see? Oh, I watched Sholay. <laughs> okay. Sorry, give me What's... one second. Sholay, uh, the 1975 film by Ramesh Sippy. And this is like one of the biggest Bollywood movies of all time. So I'm not the guy to talk about it, really. Uh, but Amitabh Bakchan is like such a crazy star. I had never seen any of the movies he starred in. And he is awesome. All of the leads in this movie are awesome. And yeah, it's just like a pretty basic setup. Uh, it starts with like this awesome train set piece that's in a flashback. A lot of this movie takes place within flashbacks. And uh, this cop 
let's go these two criminals that he had handcuffed together because the train that they're on is getting robbed. And he's like, are you guys honorable enough of criminals to help me get these bad guys? <laughs> and uh, it's a pretty awesome setup. Uh, and it, it's basically like these two guys who have had like a life of crime, I guess. They, they're working for this kind of, I, I guess, kind of a rogue cop. Like, I think he eventually is no longer with the force like partway through the movie. I was a little confused by some of the plot details, uh, but going after this, you know, super bad guy, <laughs> it's a, as basic of a plot as you can imagine for something like that. And it delivers on every level. It's, you know, well justifying its long runtime is just full melodramatic arcs that feel like they're almost multiple movies uh, into one all bridged either by action set pieces or musical dance numbers uh which are absolutely stellar the best one being the duo between the two best friends and the whole song is just about how good of friends they are and how much they love each other and then one of them just so they're riding in a motorcycle with a sidecar first of all through this whole musical number and then the guy in the sidecar hops up on the guy on the motorcycle's shoulders and starts doing a harmonica solo on his shoulders (laughs) and it's maybe one of the coolest things i've ever seen in movies so check out sholay that sounds electric yeah yeah we'll be right back on extended clip i don't know i think maybe she's outgrowing this place leo you can take the girl out of Little Italy, but you can't take Little Italy out of the girl. Show her what she's missing. What is it, you know, when you ever ask the teacher, can you go to the bathroom? They're like, can you? It's like, oh, you know, you got me. Shit. I don't need Dude, to my go mom, anymore. Uh, my mom told me when she was in community college, she had a teacher do that. Like, um, because my mom was going to community college when I was in like middle school. And yeah. I remember a teacher did that at middle school. And then she told me her teacher did that at That's community crazy. college. But that's it since it's college you could be a little nasty and uh, apparently i think it's my mom who asked can i use the restroom and he said you can piss and shit all over the place if you want to or something like that like along the lines of that uh, make sense. but may you, you know? yeah. uh, but i just remember that phrasing of like you can piss and shit all over the place if you want you to too far buddy yeah and it's like jesus that completely scarred my mom that's like borderline sexual harassment yeah. oh these days with cancel culture yeah. you could go play with your pussy in the bathroom <laughs> okay this is my mother we're talking about <laughs> fucking take it easy Teachers just gotta get the edge off in class. The teacher, I mean, that teacher was a piece of shit. You are playing the character. Yeah, of yeah, the of course, man. Fuck yeah. that teacher, Sorry, man. I was just so taken aback by the power of drama there. That that's I was true. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could play like a good hard-boiled, hard-nosed teacher, like hard-boiled teacher, <laughs> like in Bratz in line. Now listen up, kids. You're John Voight's number two in Bratz. Now listen up, kids. I know your usual teacher. You know he's a lily picker. <laughs> Okay, let's let's move on here. We're back on extended clip, and we're talking about Little Italy, the 2018 film by Mr. Petri Dish himself, starring the one, the only Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts. Roberts. Always forget her last. Always get her mixed up with someone else. Yeah, don't know who. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> what what is this movie? <laughs> uh, this movie is a fucking abomination. 
uh, first of all. Um, no, I I um I I want to love it. You know, I want to want to see it as just like a, a gag filled adventure. You know, um, you know, kind of <laughs> like uh, like Donovan's Reef. You know, just you know, just some just goofs all the way through. Um, but I feel like. <laughs> It like kind of like is like a little too tongue in cheek and like tries to be a little too smart for its mm-hmm. own good, and it just ends up coming across as like just very annoying and try hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a very annoying film. Annoying is a great. Yeah. This might be the most annoying film we've watched for the podcast. It's not the worst <laughs> film we've watched for the podcast, but in terms of just like pure tone, it is very annoying. Um, but something separates it from other very annoying studio films of late, like say Booksmart. I think. It's just so out of touch True. that it's almost it's just weird. It is racist. It is. This is this is a film. Like I'm not saying the characters are work. racist. This is a film that's probably like you know just a, a racist movie. Like if you could talk to a movie, the movie would have some this, bad things to say to you. This, this movie's a big win for the anti woke left, bro. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, you're gonna. Uh, I don't know where to go with this. I'm not gonna look. As I said before we started, this is not a Twitter podcast. Let's keep it. Let's keep it offline here. It's funny how, like, you know, in like Ferrara's documentary, he kind of like, in a way, maybe will like, you know, expose like a little bit of racism in the culture, Mm -hmm. you know, or what might come from that, you know. And in this movie, it's it's like the opposite, where it's like the racism is exposed through like trying to like force like this like culture story that you don't know or have learned. Yeah, I mean, so the basic setup of the movie is Romeo and Juliet with pizza parlors. Uh, There is a a great pizza parlor in Canada's Little Italy that was split apart into two pizza parlors, and these two young lovers could never be. Uh, And, yeah, so each pizza parlor, to get to the racist stuff, has uh, an Indian co-worker, and, like, it's so, like, I don't know, they... They make the Indian guy just like relentlessly horny, yeah. like w- like ridiculous. But also, it's just like this weird thing where it almost feels like an old Hollywood thing. Like it's like, oh, we'll get one one for each of the restaurants, and then they'll get together at the end. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, no. <laughs> not thinking that through like at all. You know, it's just very strange and anachronistic, especially when they go to the Indian restaurant toward the end to eat. I actually expected more uh, goofs of just like the Italian people, like, oh, what's this food? You know, but uh, the drama took uh, center stage there. You know, not to be racist myself, but uh, it's like they have Italian people in Canada. Like, I didn't know that was like... I, that's not racist. That's inquisitive. Yeah, and that's, I, I'm just asking that why same inquisition. I still don't buy it. Yeah, I don't buy it either. This doesn't seem like a real place. Uh, it's it's very strange. JT, what, what was your initial reaction to Little Italy? I mean, I was just mostly taken aback by the anti-Italian racism. Like, this just seems like you have never met an Italian person in your life. Just so, like, I don't know, that's what really pissed me off the most is just, like, obviously we can get down with a good rom-com here, even one that's, like, a little bit more conventional. But this is just, like, it's like they took a 2000s, like, rom-com script, like, slapped, like, millennial in there, like, 70 different times, and then just, like, rushed it as quickly through production as possible, just with, like, no charm, and every character is, like, built on a stereotype, and it's just uh, not funny or good. Just, Just like Ferrari said in Mulberry Street, you know, even though I guess this is a Canada film, not a Hollywood film. You know, a lot of these Hollywood films, 
half of them feel like uh, read-throughs and rehearsals. You know what I mean? And this definitely <laughs> feels like a film full of first-line readings. Absolutely. I mean, think of uh, Danny Aiello or Aiello. Aiello. Sorry. It's who's okay. you know who's in both movies? And it is funny how he was talking about. Like, he, w- he felt offended that, like, in Do the Right Thing, he's like, you know, why is the Italian character, like, a pizza man? You know what I mean? That's, yeah. like, a, a racial stereotype. And then, like, here he's just, you know, sleepwalking through just, like, I'll be, like, third fiddle, like, tossing dough in the back. I mean, it's stuff. a few years later. Like, Aiello doesn't look that hot. He kind of looks like shit here. Yeah. Oh, like, maybe, yes. the, maybe the Atlantic City CD really isn't selling as well. Like, no, sometimes <laughs> you make some sad sacrifices eight years of trying to live like a motown singer <laughs> <clears throat> we we kind of got off on a weird foot talking just about the the racism of the film but yeah to uh like it's a film of like gabagool exploitation you know uh there, there's a lot of these films that are just terrible movies about italian americans this one's weirder because it's about italian canadians uh italian american canadians too that's the thing each of the pizza parlor has the italian american and canadian flag in the window which is very strange and i don't know if they're trying to say something there. it's like, fucking globalism yeah like I, I don't know what's going on there but it's it really does feel like one of the most canadian films of all time <laughs> And the the tax shelter that protects this film's production obviously is the big reason for that. And yeah, it's it's rare that you see a film that uses Canada as a tax shelter wear that so proudly on its sleeve. You know. Yeah, I mean it's like the locations too. It's not a very like adventurous films and like where it goes. You know, not at all. You got it all in like this little like this block. You know what I mean? That's just brick buildings and then. Sometimes they go inside each other's apartments or a restaurant here and there. And it is, uh, yeah, it is, it doesn't, like, that. in that sense, it kind of feels a little bit, like, low rent. And, you know, it is, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of somewhat big name actors. Maybe not big name, but it's just like, I don't know, this is not, it's not the lowest of the low, but you know what I mean? But, like, it doesn't use the, the, you know, the money it has already. It kind of looks cheap cheaper than it could be oh the visual look of this is absolutely (laughs) terrible (laughs) it's just it's one of the most classic 2010s why is this in cinemascope movies like there is no reason for it to be in 2.35 to 1 they are not framing for that aspect ratio whatsoever it's just ridiculously clumsy in every way in terms of the filmmaking (laughs) yeah and hayden christensen like sorry to call him out but he just like looks too old like yeah he like looks like he just got over an illness (laughs) he looks very sad and dejected in this movie and kind of sick yeah (laughs) sick and sad He just kind of look like a like a, a YouTuber now or something like that. Like he looks like he looks like a guy who's well, yeah, it is him trying to like look younger for this role. Like, yeah, this is the aspect I'm going. And you know what? You know, I think I've I've been on record. I love Hayden Christensen's performance in Star Wars Two or whatever it's Clo- Attack, Attack of the, the Clones. Clones. Yeah, and um, you know what I mean? That passion he brings to that romance. You know what I mean? It's and so not present. It's here. not here. It's not here. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, they just, they fall in love pretty, I guess it's built on, you know, their relationship as children or whatever, but it is. Which is defined through this disgustingly bad shared voiceover narration that goes from the beginning flashback all the way to the end where they're 
it's so clearly just like a read through where they're laughing at how bad the <laughs> script is. Yeah, though that's that's a lot of I feel like a lot of the humor is like undercuts itself or yeah. whatever. Well, there's they're clearly of, having a good time. Yeah. There's a, a five minute gag reel at the end, and there, there's even a scene like the most cringe blooper reel thing I've ever seen. Maybe is Emma Roberts at the end of this where she laughs at a gag and then goes like. I've been having laugh attacks all day, but this is just too much. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, you're. Uh, I'm sure you've been having laughing attacks all day. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you guys are creating pure gold. Yeah, like I, I'm glad you guys had fun because I don't think anybody else did. <laughs> In terms of the viewership, that's that that's is. how you have to sell the movie at the end. It's like, oh god, this movie stunk. Put, put it doesn't deserve in, the yeah, victory lap. Yeah, exactly. It's like put the put the blooper reel so at least. You know what I mean? Hey, they had fun. Everyone got paid, man. Why well, you got to <laughs> criticize us so hard? Yeah, <laughs> they just fed their families with that money. <laughs> There's so much stuff about like millennials always being on their computers and phones and stuff too, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just like instantly dates itself. Like by the time this comes out, like millennials are like 35 years old. <laughs> they're, they're Hayden Christensen at <laughs> <Yeah>. this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, all right, just uh, a segment that probably caught all of our eyes in the movie. The when you know the competing pizza restaurants, one of them puts a little bit of weed in the the sauce oh, recipe, yeah. and then you have all the people at the restaurant dancing around, I guess, or whatever. And like, and then, very horny. Yeah, too. They're getting horny as fuck. Um, <laughs> and then and then like the other guy just calls the cops or whatever, or knows that he sends pizza to the cops, so he gets arrested. I'm like, isn't weed legal by this time in Canada? I'm I don't sure. think so. I think yeah. this was shot like two years before it was uh, released. Yeah, this was this was shot in uh, 2012. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't get released I, until, uh, until I was uh, convinced that it because I know it sat on the shelf for a little bit, but it was only like oh. six months or so. Because I know it got pushed back or whatever. But when I know that it got pushed back, I was like, this had to have been shot eight years before. But it was only like a year before it came out. It's probably like maybe written eight years before. You know? Yeah, you know, yeah. That. That's what I would figure, especially. With all the talk of millennials and they, their kale pizza. They had this heater in the back pocket. They're like, yeah. we'll pull this out when they're ready. When the culture's ready for it. I don't exactly. know. Get five. We're going broke and you're yelling at the customers? You gotta go with the times, Pa. I mean, people today, they want some variety, health-conscious toppings or paper-thin, you know, square slices. There's just so much that we could do. Are you hearing this? Your grandson, he wants to make square pizza for hippies. Hippies are back. I like them. Those girls, they burn bras. No, not, not hippies. Hipsters, no, no. Millennials. And you know what else wouldn't hurt? If, if we got online and, like, did an app or something. I mean, we got to get business flowing in here again. Like, you know, back in the good old days when you and Sal... That's, I mean, it does hit at a time, right? People, people like making the Italian jokes, right? You know, yeah. I mean, maybe they're just, like, perfect. Like, you know, this is a movie that, uh, you know, there's a lot of... A sauce being tossed around or whatever yeah. uh dough you know people hitting each other's faces there's a lot of like broad uh you know what you like it is like it does feel like yeah it doesn't feel very italian it does feel like an outsider being like oh it would be like a, a you know an italian joke they're throwing like pizza sauce at each other yeah, yeah. and stuff it's really kind of going through the motions in that regard yeah well it, it kind of like uh it reminded me of um you know green book which came mm. out the same year <laughs> I just remember mm-hmm. watching that movie and being kind of like struck by like the this is kind of like a an interesting portrayal of like Italian people <laughs> from someone who might not be like too 
you know, close with that world. Or fond of that world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, as you know, you got to listen to the Patreon episode, the final episode of the Farrelly Brothers series to find out how we feel about Green Book. We're not going to say it on here. <laughs> Uh, it also reminds me of a movie from, I think it's like 1995 or so, uh, 1993, called Italian Movie. And this is like, a, a, that title got slapped on it for VHS distribution. I forgot what it was originally titled, but it is a terrible movie with James Gandolfini in it uh, that's very close to this. This is like the 90s version of it, like, uh, you know, right after Goodfellas. It's like, let's let's see what we can do with this, you know. And uh, so if anyone wants to watch a double feature of movies that are like this, go Italian movie with Gandolfini yeah. and then this one. You know, it's another bad part of this movie that I want to, like, I think this, it kind of drops it like halfway through, but like, the fact that like Hayden Christensen is like the hottest piece of ass, like in little in the in little Canada, Italy, or wherever he's from. Yeah, so <laughs> like, that's what sets up the Indian coworker's horniness is that he's like, oh, do I get to deliver it like you? And he's like, just watch it, you know. These uh, these I, I can't do my Anakin impression anymore, but he's like, uh, just watch it. These women are very crazy. That, that was <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what is the implication here? And then of course he gets there, and these like old ladies open the door, and they drive him in and just like start you know ripping his clothes off oh, or whatever. Yeah. very strange situation hey man you know it's not only the pizza that's hot and ready you know what i mean okay <laughs> i mean there are a lot of like i feel like really like half-baked like joke premise style things that never like i don't know i feel it could be extended to like full gags uh, but never are the one that it gets dropped towards the end is the gay Chinese Italian guy. Yeah. Oh my like, god. That reveal atrocious. Yeah, that scene is played so terribly where it you know the the Chinese guy is like, "Look, I'm actually not Italian." Or, you know, <laughs> and I'm gay. Oh, really? Hayden, Hayden calls him out for it and he's like, "And also, I told my dad I was gay and he threw me out." And it's like, what? "All right, so you're conflating these two things of coming out of like pretending to be Italian and I guess pretending to be straight and it's it's a very weird thing, and um, it's, yeah, he went to the most to, like, accepting culture there is, the yeah. Italian community. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's, a, it's like was this an issue throughout the movie? It's like people no. like this guy's pretended to be Italian, or like it was he like maybe Bam. that's what excuses the scene of Emma Roberts waking up in their apartment and the uh, gay Chinese Italian man is naked in the room with her. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I was just getting some some uh boxers yeah hey, i was he, just getting boxers yeah <laughs> sound like excuses of a man who's not being honest with himself huh? oh i'm not being honest with myself look I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or nothing all right but have you looked at yourself in the mirror luigi your real name is li zhao ping you're chinese bro when are you gonna be honest with yourself that you're not even italian <sighs> You know, when I told my dad I was gay, he, uh, he threw me out of the house. No, yeah, there, are, there are a lot of like like lame sex jokes in this movie. I well, noticed. it's R-rated, which is That's the weirdest true. part, is that it's R-rated. And you can tell like there's a couple jokes that aren't very like harsh, but it's like almost there kind of. Like not almost there in terms of funniness, just in terms of grossness or whatever. And it's one of the softest R-rated movies of all time, That's for sure. True. 
Um, I'm giving this movie one bullet. I'm shooting it in the fucking head once execution style, and I hope I never hear from it again. Yeah, I'm going to give it a bullet, too. Um, Hayden, you know, I was kind of hoping maybe you'd come through, you know, deliver, you know, maybe bring some of that passion I've seen in that other movies, but, you know, uh, it, it just wasn't there. The You know, just uh, just not a great movie by any means. So thank you for bringing it to the podcast, David. What do you think about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna give it one bullet too. Um, kind of, kind of bummed. I brought your your worst movie, but I definitely. Oh, think we've it, seen worse. It's, it's important to reach the bottom at some point, you know. Um, so I, I I pulled this one out of the gutter for you guys. JT, what about you? I'm this also one. plugging away. One bullet. Fucking trash. Fuck Donald Petrie. It's a nice little addition of the sixth sense, our lowest unanimous score yet, probably. True. Fuck that petri dish, motherfucker. (laughs) Next segment. Oh, dumbass. (laughs) Petri dish. Petri bitch. (laughs) Got it all in your system. Yeah. The next segment is the email segment, and extendedclippodcast at gmail dot com is where you can email us. Our first one comes from Davis, and it says, Hello, Neo. I am the architect. I created the Matrix. I've been waiting for you. You, Okay. So this seems like it is an entire uh, monologue from the Matrix. Aren't you going to read it, Eddie? No. uh, Thank you to Davis for sending it, though. We'll review it later. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I read it to myself, and frankly, I don't approve. Uh, the next email comes from CJ Roy, and it says, the subject line is the millionaire's brain teaser. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> and it says, would you rather drink piss or bathe in piss? Make your own parameters from the piss millionaire. Wow. Wow. I, I think I'd bathe in piss if it was warm. If, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, that's usually standard issue. Yeah. So, like, I, I guess I don't, I don't really have a preference when it comes Let's to Let's set the bath time to 25 minutes. Right. How so big said, is the thing of piss yeah, you're drinking? He said, he said he, the, or, you know. Set the, your own parameters. Yeah, yeah your own parameters. So I got to interest, like, just, like, uh, like two, 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 two ounces of pee. Just a little it. shot. Just a little shooter. That's shooter. it. Versus little, how much of like time? Uh, or, or 30 seconds in the pool, in a pool of piss. Oh. Uh, See, that's a little harder. I, I'm taking the shot. Yeah, I'm doing pee shower. shooter. I don't have to pool, shower. Dude. I'm, I mean, I feel like anytime you go in a pool, you're like bathing in piss. What the fuck? Yeah. Isn't there some... <laughs> who, are you, who are you swimming with, man? He's, he's just admitted... pools, man. He's just admitting that he pees in the pool. Um, <laughs> you're the only one who does. I don't, but I'm complicit in it. That's oh, well. God. Is I, I feel like there's probably some health thing out there where people bathe in piss or something like that. Ugh, I, I don't want to listen to make this. That so, so maybe, so maybe I'll reap the health benefits from that real quick. JT, what, what do you think here? Yeah, I'm going piss shooter in this situation. I think it's it's clean. You get it done out of the way. I don't know. I Smart um, man. I mean, Smart I man. think there are like. I mean, Malcolm, you mentioned the health thing about bathing in piss, but isn't there some, like, I don't know, there are health benefits to drinking piss? <laughs> There's gotta be. <laughs> well, that's, all right, that's good. Two of us uh, pick the soak. Two of us pick the shooter. No, we'll, I'm going to we'll do both, actually. I'm just going to take... Why do I have to choose? Why can't I do I mean, both? There's health benefits. <laughs> yeah, true. Look, I'm trying to cut some weight. I'm it's helping to, me. I'm trying to drink and bathe in piss is the answer. <laughs> That's the final answer from all of us regarding that question. Shower us. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. 
Oh, and also subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash extended clip. No potty talk on there. Yeah, all keeping it clean. <laughs> JT, I can't wait to see you again, buddy. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited to come back I, to like living together. It's going to be a real treat. 